it was back in May that we spoke to you last, um, so it's quite a while ago, and I just sort of was thinking, well, remembering that you represent more than Yass Valley, maybe you could give us a bit of an insight into what's been happening across the Goulburn electorate and what kind of things you've been involved in. Look, there's always lots of things happening in the Goulburn electorate because it's a very diverse electorate. Mm. Currently, um, we've faced and we've been facing it for quite some time is a lot of major projects uh, that are quite controversial and that is requiring a lot of my time in regards to, you know, consulting and liaising with community members. You know, for instance, we have uh, the incinerator that's um, currently being proposed. In Mossvale, I have a uh, plastics recycling um, (laughs) facility that's being proposed, which is not in the right, you know, I'm all for recycling, but it's not in the right site. Mm. So that's been um, quite time-consuming. Of course, we have uh, mega solar farms right on the edge of Goulburn that um, are taking up a lot of time. And, and of course, we've got HumeLink, which is a a considerable um, amount of time being spent um, on that. So it is uh, fairly full-on. And that's just (laughs) just major projects. a little bit of... some of the issues and of course you know we're also seeing um, special rate variations from council being proposed yeah. uh, from Goulburn through to Upper Lachlan mm. uh, considering it mm. um, so that causes a lot of angst in the community particularly during this time where cost of living is very big issue very very big issue yeah. for everyone and you know that everyone you know, wants to talk to me about that and I'm happy to talk to them about that and, and some things that we can hopefully help them with. But when we look at the budget that was handed down last week and I don't want to be too political but I'm really disappointed in the focus on yep. cost of living for people and you would know that uh, we've we've sort of spoken about some of the vouchers that have been cut uh, to assist families and... That has a big impact and yeah. it has a big impact on community too and particularly children mm. and that sort of thing is pretty disappointing. Mm. Not only does it affect our sporting organisations, some of our cultural and music organisations, but it also impacts on small business because yeah. no longer mum and dad have $50 to mm. go and buy Johnny a pair of sporting shoes or, or what, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It, it sort of goes around. What comes around goes around and that is really impacting, I think. But that's a decision that the new government has, has made. Particularly in the budget, I'm very concerned about the lack of focus on regional areas. Yeah. And we've seen a lot of major cuts to uh, regional New South Wales, Rural Assistance Authority. Yeah. Um, you know, and that $100 has been cut from the Rural Assistance Authority, which is, is one of the disaster impact bodies that's dealing yeah. with funding issues for And it people. does good work for re-establishing businesses Absolutely. and all and sorts of things. Absolutely, funding yeah. programs to assist farmers. Yes. Uh, and, you know, on the, we're, we're on the edge of a drought here and some areas in New South Wales are already in drought. Yeah. And to cut money out of regional departments like that, yeah. uh, I'm just not understanding why. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very disappointed. We, we've seen Labor announce something like 12.5% increase in tax revenue yeah. when they went to the election saying they wouldn't be putting up taxes. So they're all the sorts of things that we need to try and understand and they need to explain why they've broken their promise. So it's 
they've got some issues with the budget. There's no doubt. Yeah, I um, guess. Look, I'm not. I'm not one side or another on yeah. this, and I haven't wrapped my head around the budget. But I guess they might say in response that that was the legacy they were left. Yeah, absolutely. But you still can't ignore cost of living issues. Mm. They've gone to the election when, with regard to um, the wage cap, saying that they're going to get rid of it, but that wasn't going to cost anything. It was all going to come out of productivity. Yeah. We haven't seen that. And it's costing the budget an enormous amount of money. 50 billion wage bill. Uh, they've only billion. accounted for a 3.3% rise in the budget, yet they have allocated an enormous amount to teachers, uh, 12% in the first year, 8% in the next year. Um, so we're trying to find out, well, how does 3.3% fit into that? And yeah. what does that mean for other jobs, how other efficiencies in the department? And yeah. we've seen a lot of um, operational expenses be cut in departments, health, mm. fire brigade, uh, All right the key across services the services that people rely and, on. And um, so where's the productivity in all of it? You productivity know. is another word for staff cuts, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I know that um, I've had discussions with our local health department and um, district and, you know, they, they've got a task to downsize their jobs, particularly yeah. middle management. Yeah. So, yeah, everything comes at a cost. So it doesn't say much for any potential uh, upgrading of Yass Valley Hospital, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, well, it's had the, had, the, had the initial upgrade and there's been 250000 um, been allocated in the budget to do some, some strategy around yeah. it. And that's great. Yes. Probably should have happened a long time ago. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, so let's see what comes out of that. It's called a feasibility study, so I'm not too sure yeah. whether we're trying to work out whether Yes Hospital is feasible. I'm not sure. We're still trying to get answers to that. But what needs to happen is an overall strategy about where health, health services, services within work. Yes. Yep. Um, where it's headed mm. and what's going to be available mm. for the future. Yeah. That's to me, is where that money should be spent. Let's hope that's what the feasibility study is actually about. Yes. Um, okay, so while we're on budget things, I noted that you actually gave a bit of a speech in Parliament the other day about the water treatment system here in Yes mm. and the funding that was or was not allocated to yeah, it. Yeah, so obviously as a part of the budget papers, um, we get uh, an electorate, overall electorate, paper that's yep. delivered to us and one of the big things that was noted was that the 13 and a half million announced was not in that piece of paper yeah. and I was pretty gobsmacked about that yes. to tell you the truth yes. because what was written down was what the original money that we had the previous government had funded mm. so that concerned me greatly uh, trying to get answers whether that was a part of the 13.5 in in the first place mm. Uh, so obviously after that speech in the parliament, um, I heard from the minister's office and it was um, they had said that that money was left out of the budget, unfortunately. Oh. And um, through no fault of the minister, she had actually asked for it to be in the budget, but it wasn't there. So they guaranteed me that that money will be and it will be on top of the money that we had already allocated. So it's 13 point. Point five million of new money, yeah, which is really good. And yeah. we're waiting now, obviously, for the business case to be done, yeah. and that will give us an indication on what the end price will be. Yeah. There is still a shortfall, and this is something that I raised with the minister's office, and they're hoping that the federal water program might be able to chip in the rest of the money because, mm. quite frankly, if they don't, to complete the project, it will be the ratepayers that will be. Yeah, and, and this is my argument. 
all along. All the way along it has um, been, yeah. yeah. Um, look, I think, as I understood what happened at the council meeting last night, the relevant director said that the business case should be ready for October, as has been agreed, but it would have multiple preferred options that would be workshop to get a final result. Now, that's my understanding of what happened. I haven't seen the minutes yet. So That's, that's pretty interesting. So yeah. we're looking at now looking at further options it's, to it's, unlike the work that's already been done, which it's, anyway. it's possible. Anywho, um, the other thing you did about Yas Water Supply was table the petition from residents in Parliament. Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, which is a good thing. Um, but I was going to ask what happens with that now? How does that achieve anything? So we, we will be getting a response from the Minister in mm-hmm. regards to that petition. So there wasn't enough signatures to actually debate it in the, oh, on okay. the Parliament floor, but right. we will be getting a response from the Minister in due course. Okay, and that response might be, well, we've given you an extra $13.5 million. Correct. Yeah, okay. And we'll wait for the business case to be complete. Yes. (laughs) Something a bit circular going on here, (laughs) Wendy. (laughs) Goes round and round. Um, Okay. Now, the other thing um, that you mentioned earlier is HumeLink. And, you know, that's just an ongoing bun fight, um, really. The recent lower house inquiry, which was led and chaired by and stacked with government members, finally recommended above grounding of the transmission lines. Um, You've opposed that, I know. And there were four, I think, dissenting MPs on that report. So it wasn't a unanimous report by any means. Now, well, the interesting part of that too, Tanya, is that the Premier actually preempted the findings or the the recommendations from that committee just by saying that undergrounding wasn't going to happen, which... What is the point of wasting money mm. around an inquiry if you've already made your decision? Mm. That was disappointing. Mm. The The actual first inquiry was also cut short. Mm. Um, I had received um, some information from a, a company that does undergrounding yep. uh, for different projects for the New South Wales government who yep. had a very different figure around the costings. Oh. I actually approached my colleagues on the inquiry to make sure that they were called to give evidence. Mm after also receiving information that they had had meetings with the department prior to the inquiry. Okay. And, of course, you know, Didn't the, the inquiry had to be cut short down. that we, um, you know, we've already got the information we need, which mm. was really disappointing. So as a consequence, um, uh, the, the members of the Coalition and the Greens in the Upper House have mm. got together and um, have asked for another inquiry to be held. Yeah which hopefully will get the right people giving evidence as in regard to the costings. Yeah. I think this one's a bit of a broader one, isn't it? It's not about HumeLink per se. It's about undergrounding of renewable energy projects as a broad approach, yeah. isn't it, I think? Yeah. And, and that's important because um, this won't be the last you've got to get the information. So if we've got one company saying, well, they can do it for a lot less to what Transgrid are telling us, that mm. sort of information is important around yeah. making decisions around it. Mm. So I'm very pleased. Uh, of course, I'll be putting in another submission and I'm hoping, um, you know, councils and anyone who has an interest mm. should be doing the same. Yeah. Well, again, at last night's council meeting, there was a report that went up from the general manager that effectively said, um, look, because of that committee of inquiry that's happened that recommended overgrounding, council shouldn't oppose that overgrounding. But a number of – well, Councillor Cameron stood up and kind of led a bit of a charge that said, no, we actually need to represent the community's views here. So that got overturned. Um, And there is some kind of – there was some discussion about a possible alliance of councils 
that are affected by HumeLink, trying to work together to do a joint submission and get some action on that one. But it's got a fair way to go, this one. Yeah, it, it does. And, uh, you know, there's no doubt that if the undergrounding uh, is too cost prohibitive, at the end of the day, the, the user will pay. Mm. But uh, you've got to have the right information and make mm. a, a decent <laughs> decision around that. Yeah. And so obviously undergrounding happens o- overseas yeah. in Europe effectively. So the question is, well, why can't it happen here? Well, I think that it's been a fairly limited assessment in that it's only been a cost assessment in reality. Correct. There hasn't been the, the impact on communities or the environmental impacts considered. It's just been about how much it will cost. So this next inquiry, I think, is going to be a bit broader potentially. Mm. But just as a process question, if this second inquiry comes up and makes a different recommendation, <laughs> what happens then? <laughs> well, so those recommendations go to cabinet, so go to government, to... Either accept or or not accept. Okay, so a cynical person could make an assumption that the second inquiry, yeah, if it well, comes up with something different. The whole idea of inquiries is getting information and correct information to be able to be informed about those decisions or recommendations. So let's hope that uh, the ability to, to do that is there and we'll see what comes out of it. Yeah, because Transgrid's quite a powerful player in this process too, isn't it? Yeah. As you say, it would be good to get some additional players. Yeah, and it's been disappointing right from the get-go. I mean, we've been on this for quite some time in regards to the consultation that was first done. And they have improved their consultation, but Mm. um, when you see things like, you know, people being denied giving evidence around costings on undergrounding, Mm. Mm. you've got to start to be a little bit cynical. Mm. Yes, there's a fight to be had still. Mm. Mm. And the thing is, it's impacting our community so much yeah. right across the electorate. Yeah. Um, this is going right across the electorate. We we are impacted. And these towers are not small towers. No, no, they're much bigger than the ones we yeah, have now. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, if, if people out there think wind turbines are hideous and ugly in the landscape, they're nothing compared to what's coming with this one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I've got... People in my community that are right, you know, 100 metres away from these things. Mm. Yeah, it's... Because you're right, it's pretty much from the Southern Highlands down to Wagga, isn't it? So yeah, it so cuts from right Bannaby, through you. From Bannaby, it goes yeah. to the Bannaby substation, right yeah. down to Bannister, right across the Ass Valley, yeah. um, Upper Lachlan. Upper Lachlan. Yeah. yeah, so it's huge. Yeah, it is. I'm going to move on to a little bit of a related issue and sticking with renewable energy. There are... Lots of councils in the area taking their own action on uh, renewable energy solutions and options. And you might be aware that Yas Valley Council is going through a process of revising its own renewable energy policy. Now, the renewable energy policy as it currently stands pretty much just says, well, we don't want any more large-scale wind farms in Yas Valley. Thank you, we've had enough. Um, They're amending it generally just to say we don't want any more large-scale solar farms as well. And if we have to have them, here are a range of reasons why we will object to them. Now, when I look around, there are some councils doing great things in our area but and a little bit beyond. But there's one in Goulburn, the Community Energy Project in Goulburn, that is really fantastic. And I know you had a little bit of involvement in it. And I just wonder whether you could give people a sense of... What that's doing for people and what what kind of energy, not not energy energy, like electric energy, but is it creating a bit of an energy in the community about this stuff? Well, obviously, and look at the cost of living and um, the amount of money that's being paid for electricity at the moment. So we had a group in Goulburn that um, decided to do a community 
run project and they were actually awarded uh, $2 million from the state government mm-hmm. in my time and uh, that was money well spent and they're, you know, getting people on board. And I think, I think they raised about $2 million of their yeah, own too. absolutely. Yeah. So, and that was just through public submi- uh, subscription. Yeah, so yeah. That, to me that's a great thing. It is, It's going to have a great outcome. You yeah. know, it, it's a community-run project mm. It's not some overseas company, you know, making lots of dollars to do projects. It's There is a real benefit to those that are involved and I think it's great, you know, and I think I'd like to think that all councils are embracing those sorts of projects. Number one, to reduce their own energy yeah. bills, which mm. is would important. be exorbitant yeah. when you're running um, sewage works, waterworks. Oh lights in the park, um, you know, they're a big consumer of electricity. So any assistance to reduce ratepayers' bills Mm. uh, is a good thing and that's what we should be embracing. You know, maybe the state government should be incentivising a bit more of that as well. Well, yes, I mean, I I kind of have this personal thought that Yas Valley Council is kicking against the trend in this. Mm. You know, they are just a thing that is going to happen. There Mm. is a reality about renewable energy. But if there are examples around us, why not pick them up too? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, You might be aware, Wendy, that Yas Valley Council is looking to put out the management of the Yas pool complex to uh, private lessee and part of that process is to that that lessee would build a heated pool now the costs for that heated pool have already gone up from according to council from four million to eight million and there's a consultation process that's going on now um, that is kind of just getting the community's opinion on whether they want this to happen or not but we have very scant information on it so I know you if the community doesn't have a lot of information you probably don't have a lot no, either. I don't, unfortunately. so I'm, I'm, I haven't really been briefed on the whole project so. no and I don't want to put you yeah. on the spot but I'm kind of interested in whether because you've been a mayor and a councillor and an administrator and a minister for local government um whether you have some sense of how these projects generally run and what some of the outcomes are well we all know that running (laughs) pools is an expensive business there's no doubt about that i don't think there's too many councils that are making profits out of running swimming pools you will be aware that goulburn council um has just done a new aquatic center and Mm. That was a part of a election commitment from um, the New South Wales government in 2019. I think we put $10 million into um, that project mm. and I think it was a cost of something very close to $30 million. Goodness. Um, so if you can build an indoor pool for, was it $4 Eight million? million? $8 million. $8 it's gone up to. Yeah, you're doing pretty well. You know, I, it'll be... Bit interesting to see whether that would be the case, and look, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to have a look and and see if we can do whatever we can to assist in advocating for um, some assistance. Not too sure exactly how they plan to run yes. or, or in, engage that. So probably I need to get a bit more well, information you do. And to make look, an informed comment on. Sadly, that all the community's been given is the council report and, and sort of nothing else. So we've thrown you in the deep end yeah, there. Yeah, well, we'll get across it and see yeah. where it's up to. Okay, so is there anything else you want to share with the people of Yas Valley and beyond about all the great work you do? Oh, <laughs> look, you know, I'm just it's it's great. I've been out to Murrumbateman today to have a meeting with the, um, the committee out there in regards to their 
you know, the playground and, and some of the issues that uh, are facing them in regards to planning. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's great to get out and touch base with, with some of these wonderful volunteers that mm. do so much mm. for the community. And, you know, I was saying to um, Paige, who was with me today, you know, you know, we should be embracing the efforts that these volunteers do because without them, you know, communities will be well and truly on the back foot and I yeah. really commend the work that the Murrum Bateman group are doing out there and mm. things are going ahead there yeah. is no doubt Murrum Bateman but you know it's it's got to be you know we've got to make sure we've got a plan and we know what the future looks like so that would be nice um, you know that's their concern and yeah. um, certainly we'll be talking to council on some of the work that they've been doing around that mm. and um, you know there's plenty happening out there new amenities mm. and all sorts of things yeah. and and big planning on the way for a new uh, residential area so it's a growing community and uh, as is yes you know we see the the work that's being done just coming into yes it's it's enormous so there's lots happening and uh, we've got to make sure that um, you know people are being consulted and that their opinions are important so indeed yeah it's great to be out and about and there's plenty of happening (laughs) obviously springtime there's lots of events happening and um, so a big shout out to all the volunteers and community groups that do so much for the community. Here, here, absolutely. And on that front, I should say thank you to you too because you actually stood up and said how wonderful Yes FM is in yeah, Parliament absolutely. too. absolutely. So. And they are such an important, you know, we have to have different streams of media outlets mm. and Yes Valley FM is going Great Somewhere. guns. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and congratulations to you. You're a volunteer as well. So, yeah. you know, and it's about keeping... Keeping the community informed, and you know, I love coming on here. And oh well, I wish we do it again. We we will have to come back a few few more times. Yes, and, please and do. Just and you're off to go and deal with another volunteer group now, the Yes Area Network of Landcare. Yeah, so I love the work that Landcare they do. They are fantastic, aren't they? Really pleased to see that they're being funded, which is wonderful. Yeah. Um, because they're doing so much work in the community, and especially you know, with whenever coming I, on, they're so important. Yep. And yeah. when I can have the opportunity to touch base, I always do. Brilliant. Mm. Thank you, Wendy, for your time. Thank you. It's been great talking to you.